2: wherever you get your podcasts. Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsor of the GAA All-Ireland Under 20 and Senior Hurling Championships. Hashtag hurling to the core.
0: Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GAA podcast in association with Borgosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined as always by Michael Verney. Michael, hello.
1: Will, how are you? How would you not be in good form leading up to the All Ireland hurling final?
0: In fairness, I know, I know. And in this year of years, it's it's it, it, it's great to have it, isn't it? And a, a novel pairing as well, Limerick versus Waterford for the first time ever. it is it, it's, it's a kind of a unique All Ireland final. There won't be obviously any fans there. Will it will it have the same excitement for you?
1: Uh, uh, you? uh as long as I'm there, I'm, ho- I'm hoping to be one of the, I'm hoping to be one of the the you know few that will get in there um i think it keep like even watching the semi-finals i wasn't at either the semi-finals i was just watching them on the tv it did have that same feel for me like i i don't think he could say that the semi-final the second half between uh between kilkenny and waterford you know lost much for there not being people there i think it did still have interest and in, uh there was lots of interest in it it's interesting to hear john milan he said uh he said last weekend in his column, you know, that there'd be stories going around Waterford for years to come about beating Kilkenny. And he said when uh, he said when Daryl Lyons got the second goal, everybody jumped up on the couch, and his young fella ended up tangled up in the Christmas tree just in the middle of, in the middle of all the excitement. And he said he started crying, but the the tears were fairly short lived when they realised they were going to get over the line and that. But uh, yeah, I think I think there's going to be massive excitement. It's going to be totally different, you know, no meeting the president, no Artyan band, you know. You know, a no guard at escort, you're going to be driving up to an All Ireland final in your car. Uh, it's going to be, it also takes away, there's no homecoming banquet, there's no dealing with tickets. Um, I think it's, I, yeah, you would have to feel for whoever the losers are going to be. Imagine the lonely feeling of driving back down from Crow Park, having been beaten in an All Ireland final. It, um, it's probably something that you couldn't have imagined because in previous years, if you lose, you know, you probably jump onto a bus. Um, they probably stop at an off license and get a few drinks, and everybody lets their hair down. And you lose together, you win together, you win together, you lose together. But it, it is going to be it's going to be different, particularly for the players. But I think between the white lines, I don't think there'll be too much different now for them. I think it'll be treated as, as any other game.
0: Yeah, well, it's sure to be interesting. When we're delighted to be joined by Vincent Hogan to look ahead to the to the big game. Vincent, how are things? Morning. Well, good. Yeah, great to have you on. Uh, We've a novel All Ireland hurling final pairing, Limerick and Waterford, for the first time for the first time ever, meeting meeting in a decider. And I know you've kind of followed the Waterford revolution quite closely. I remember you had an interesting interview with Porrick Fanning after he stepped down following his very tumultuous year in charge. And I suppose it would have been very hard then to predict that, you know, come final time in 2020, I mean, everything that's happened in 2020, that, 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 they'll, that, that they'd be back. You know, what have you made of Liam Cattle coming in and how they've gone quite from where they were at the end of last year to now being on the verge of potentially ending, you know, that long wait for Liam McCarthy?
2: Well, the first thing you have to say is Liam Cattle has done an extraordinary job. But you're, you're right to kind of mention Porek Fanning because I think what we saw with Waterford as the Derek McGrath era came to an end and they had a terrible last year under Derek and they never really caught fire at all for Porig and they had that famous finally getting a championship match back to Walsh Park it was their opening game in the Munster Championship last year against Clare really tight tentative game and they lost it by a point and that was the end of Waterford they were shocking for the remainder of their games and When you look at what Liam Cahill is getting out of largely the same group with a few new faces, there's such a high work ethic and such high energy levels to everything they're doing, which is exactly what they weren't doing for Porek Fanning. So while the Waterford players have been magnificent for Cahill and the coaching of Mikey Mikey Beavens has been really, really outstanding, I think the players themselves will look back on last year and, and they'd have to ask themselves questions did they really put it in for por fanning? i think I think Park Fanning has a good enough c v in in hurling across different so many different jobs that i don't I, maybe it was an accident at the worst possible timing from him to go in there to a dressing room that was so used to Derek McGrath's unique kind of man management of these guys, the kind of the schoolmaster's pupil type of thing that he had a very holistic uh, relationship with so many of those players. And Parik stepped in straight at the end of that. And I think it was just bad timing for Parik Fanning to go in there. But, you know, they've bounced right back from that. And they have been a breath of fresh air, Will. They really have been the team that has ignited this championship. Yeah,
0: Michael, interesting point. Vincent makes there in relation to the Waterford's form line under Boric Fanning and then going back to the end of the Derek McGrath era because I think it was nine championship games maybe without a win I don't think they'd won a game in Munster since 2016 until this year against Cork so like they're staggering statistics and you know the growth of the team you know Liam Cowell came in set out a stall very early cut some big names All-Stars and Noel Connors and Mara Shanahan you know, he even saw his rulers you know, in the game against uh, Kenny taking off Jake Dillon after, you know, a mediocre start. He's really, he hasn't been afraid to go in and, and shake things up and change things. No,
1: he's definitely made the hard calls. Um, as, as Vinny said, I definitely do think Park Fanning... Uh, Deserves a, a big mention because, like, we hadn't really heard of Conor Prunty or Calum Lyons or a lot of these guys until Park Fanning put them in. They, they had a tough season last year, but they have an intercounty season under their belt and are much uh, better players and much more prepared now this year. Um, as regards Cal, maybe it's just maybe it's just easier for an outside manager to come in in that situation, ruffle some feathers, and um, do uh, things his way. Um, he's not, you know, he's getting in his car and he's driving back to to Ballingarry or wherever in tip, and Mikey Beavins is driving back to Tommy Vara, they don't have to listen to the conversation. They don't have to listen to people down the street telling them what they should and shouldn't be doing. And in fairness to to Liam Cattle, he's always been his own man. I remember a famous quote, and and Vinny had it in a piece recently about him, you know, where he said uh, he was, you know, on about parents uh, involved, talking to him when he was Tipperary manager in 2015, Tipperary manager, he's saying, you know, every parent thinks they know that they're, that their geese that their goose is a swan basically and he said he also said that you know he wasn't going to send soft hurlers up the line. This is a lad who will, will come in and make the tough decisions and he won't apologize for it. Um, you know, a lot there was probably uproar maybe when, when Noel Connors and Mara Shannon were were dropped. He obviously saw that maybe these guys didn't fit into the style of play that he wanted. All high energy. He has cornerbacks attacking now. He has Shane McNulty, you know, bursting out and sticking a ball over from his own 65. Shane Fives was doing similar earlier on the year. He's Kellum Lyons driving forward. They have an unbelievable energy to them. Like, who could have said that when Limerick absolutely obliterated him, I think it was 124 to 10 points in Walsh Park last year, that these two would meet, what, uh, the guts of uh, 18 months later. In an all Ireland final, it's been a remarkable turnaround and from a Walford point of view. The optimism it must be like I know from even chatting to John Milan and a few others, the optimism down there is huge. They've beaten Kilkenny in back to back championship games now. I don't think if it had ever been done before, it was probably back in the late 50s, early 60s. Um, there's, they're kind of coming right just at the right time guys that maybe were quiet in the Munster final you know the likes of, likes of Jack Figg and even Calum Lines have had huge games now in the All-Ireland semi-final and um, they'll, they'll fancy their chance to turn it around and just on cattle as well Niamh Cattle obviously played in the only other time when Munster finalists ended up playing in the All Ireland final in 1997. He scored a goal against Clare. He knows what it's like, you know, to lose a Munster final and to lose an All Ireland final. He also knows what it's like what it's like as a manager to turn around a Munster final defeat. They were beaten 13 points in the 2018 under 21 final by Cork. Turned around and beat you know a hotly fancy Cork team with a load of guys playing senior hurling now. Beat them by three points in the final. So he'll know he know what he has to do, and he'll. Um, I think he has Waterford in a really really good place coming into the game.
0: Yeah, Vincent. Then in the other corner, you have Limerick, a team who I suppose all that seems to be missing from their CV is that that second All Ireland win over the last couple of years. They've put together a body of work, bar maybe one half of hurling against Kakenny. that ranks probably up there with, with you know a lot of teams over the last you know however many years you you want to go back. You know. As they played Waterford in the Munster final, they beat them in the Munster final, but but they were troubled that day as well. Like, I think in the last water break, the game was really in the melting pot. They are the favourites, but you
2: know, for what, what do you think their approach to this game will be? Well, let's not beat around the bush here, Will. This is a Limerick team that absolutely categorically believes they left it behind them last year. That since the 2018 win, they've won back-to-back monster titles, back-to-back National League titles. And they believe that but for that 20 minutes, that first 20 minutes particularly against Kilkenny in last year's semi-final, that they would have won the All-Ireland last year as well. And there's something very concerted and calm about this Limerick team, but you're right. The, 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 the one team that has really challenged the idea that you cannot c- contest the middle third with this Limerick team is Waterford. And what we saw in the Munster final was the aggressive, direct running of a Waterford team that were saying, we're happy to have this physical contact. We're happy to run into contact and we're not going to fall, come backwards off that contact. I thought the aggression of Waterford's running was the one thing that really challenged Limerick in a way that no other team has. You look at the semi-final against Galway, did you really ever believe they were going to lose that? I didn't. I thought their indiscipline probably kept that game alive. They gave away an an awful lot of frees. They gave away seven frees in scoring range or eight frees within scoring range for Joe Canning. Waterford challenged them in a different way. And we saw the likes of... The Jack Fagans coming to life that day. The Callum Lyons is just, bring it on. And I think that's what makes this interesting. When you look at what Liam Cahal did with Tipperary, the under-21s that won the All-Ireland, the under-20s that won the All-Ireland, they were a team without stars, but they had that willingness to put their bodies on the line. And we've heard anecdotally from John Mulan and these lads how hard they've been training right through last Christmas. The only way you can play the game that Waterford are playing is with a huge level of fitness. But it's a very smart game they're playing too. You know, people thought, well, we won't go back to seeing Tig de Bourca protecting the full backline. They have done that because it's not just all this high-energy aggression. It's very, very clever as well because when you have Tighe de Borca protecting his full backline, I'm not sure there's a more intelligent hurler in the country than Tig de Bourca. So it's a kind of a mix of the old school lean cow let's be self-sufficient here let's stand up and, and, and win our battles and then you have the tactical nuance of Mikey Beavens coming in as well it's just been a perfect storm yeah, you've got one-two
0: punches on both sides with John Coyley and Paul Connerk as well, you know, in and Limerick and, and the job they've done, Michael. Like, so if you're Waterford and you're the underdogs, what's, what's the top of your list in terms of, like, tactically how you're going about, like, stopping Limerick? Is it the half forwards of Groot Hegarty and, and, uh, and Tom Marcy who you need to shut down? Like, if you're kind of in that management team, what are you looking at?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a fine balance. I think they did a great job at shutting down their half-forward line in the Munster final. Tom Morrissey was quiet, uh, Grodd Hegarty was quiet. As a result of that, Kevin Moore was probably quiet and Kenan Lines was probably quiet because they were marking the two of them. Uh, but that was the day when uh, Limerick kind of realised that they weren't going to win the game through their half-forward line, and they won the game in their full-forward line. The last day, it was funny, because Galway were playing a sweeper, they realised they couldn't win their game in the full forward line, so they won it out the pitch. They won it by shooting out the pitch. Uh, so Waterford will have to, yeah, it's a tricky kind of a balance between uh, keeping those half forwards uh, as quiet as possible, and that probably means pushing up quite high on them, but also not leaving too much space in front of the full back line. You're expecting, you know, Graham McCatty was very quiet the other day, uh, even when when he, he cut out in a Murphy's short puck out. You're just thinking he's going to pick it up and put it in the back of the neck, but it was a, a couple of unusual mistakes. And that was all around, and I, I genuinely think there was a bit of fear the last day. Uh, In Limerick, just a fear of of losing possibly again, a fear of falling at that stage again. As Benny said, all the titles that they've amassed the whole way through, it would have been a disaster if they've been beaten in a semi-final. I am expecting. I definitely, I'm expecting a different Limerick uh, than we saw in the other semi final. I'm expecting a Limerick that's a lot more relaxed. I'm expecting that when David Reedy comes in, that he just taps over those points or they, they take those goal chances and they're a lot more clinical. What do Waterford have to do to beat them? I don't think they'll beat them in a point shootout. I think they tried probably maybe to force the issue a small bit too much in the Munster final, but they did get through for a couple of half-goal Chances maybe it's just a matter of Stephen Bennett. I remember in one instance just maybe forced the hand pass a little too early and tried to put it over someone. Maybe it's just a matter of taking it on a bit more. Uh, but uh, Vinny mentioned it earlier on as well. I definitely think it's um, definitely think it's a point worth making. In the first twenty minutes of the All semi final last year, Kilkenny got three or four handy enough frees by just running at Limerick. Waterford did it in the third quarter. It got them back into the game, and Galway didn't do it that much the last day. But I definitely think when they did, there was, I counted, I think, six scoreable frees in the first half from just taking on their men and running at them. Limerick are quite robust in the tackle. And they give away a lot of frees. Like Geron Hegarty's a brilliant hurler. He's, uh, his, his, his tackling is very questionable. He gives, away, he gives away three or four softish kind of frees in every game. Uh, Limerick don't seem to want to let you strike a point from play over the bar. They'd much rather foul you and maybe you put the ball over on the advantage or you take a free. They're very uh, reticent to let you break the line. And I think Waterford need to do more of what they did in that third quarter last week. When they, they got back into the game, by just taking them on. And as Vincent said, they obviously have that level of physical preparation where they feel like they can do that. And I definitely, I think they'll go after that. They won't be, a lot of other teams... They avoid maybe the middle third or try and play the ball around. I don't think what offer to do that. I think they'll go through that middle third. And um, it's going to be really, really interesting. I, d- I do give them, I do give them a really good chance as well. I have to say because I think they can take them on physically.
0: Yeah, and just in terms of Groat Hegerty, obviously he had that you know loose tackle I think on Joe Canning as well, which you know if the referee had seen or or kind of seen more clearly, you know who knows what the decision might be. And Vince, I guess the, the fitness of Aaron Gillam is a big question mark as well. I think he, he was rated as fifty-fifty by a member of the management team at their press night. Even if he does play, and he's a bit. Dimey, mean, like he's a key man on in that inside forward line who contributes a lot of scores for them. If he's not right, like that could be a big, you know, game changer potentially.
2: Yes, it could be. Um, but what's interesting about Limerick and and, and Galan historically in recent years has been a real goal threat, but they haven't carried much of a goal threat this year, even with Galan in the team. I think in three of their four games, they haven't scored a goal. Now, Limerick seem to have adopted the view that when you have wing forwards like Garrod Hegarty and Tom Morrissey scoring for fun from 60 70 yards out you don't need to go inside. I think they may feel they can do that again against Waterford but Waterford will feel they need to get their goals. And and I don't think I don't think Waterford can outscore or outpoint this Limerick team. So I think Liam Cahill will be trying to get in at that full back line. You know it's funny we thought at the start of the year no Richie English no Mike Casey question marks about the Limerick full-back line. Have they been answered? We don't really know. Dan Morrissey's been very good. You know, Barry Nash has been fine. But no one has really got at them. It's, it's, it's very similar to the Dublin football team. They're so well protected by the structure that Limerick have that we still don't really know how comfortable Dan Morrissey is in that position. So I think whatever have to go after them in a way that Galway didn't. Galway, for example, were happy to play Porek Mannion as the extra defender and just try to play this big physical outscoring them from distance. And I think had Galway shown shown more of a, a desire to go for goals, we'd have learned a lot more about this Limerick team. Something that I, I think Watford will feel that's what they've got to do. They've got to ask questions of the Limerick full-back line that no one really has done so far.
0: Mm, and another thing that they, they'll probably want to do is you know limit Limerick's effectiveness after the water breaks, Michael? Because I suppose of all teams, they seem to be availing of it. You know, as good as anyone. You know, kind, of, you know the little reset, the kind of the, the word here and there from a member of the management team about something they've noticed over the course of the opening quarter or the third quarter. You know, they've been really effective at really kicking on after that period.
1: Yeah, there was no sign of Paul Connors' tactics board the last day. Mm-hmm. I'd say they. Um, I'd say they just probably thought that they were probably going to get it thrown in their face if they did that they were actually breaking the rules of the water break because technically there's not supposed to be any coaching during the water break. But they've been unbelievably effective. Uh, I think in nearly every game they've won the second and fourth quarters. I think to the best of my knowledge, maybe maybe apart from the last day, actually, I think I think uh, they might have lost. They might have lost the final quarter the last day, but they've been really really effective. And it's funny. It just as you say, it is a reset. You can you into a lad you know as many times as you like but when you go out in the white heat of championship a lot, sometimes things goes out the wind things go out the window and just to be able to reset and just say okay they, they, we're not getting joy inside we need to take scores from outside that's a very 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 simple thing they're playing a sweeper we need to score from outside if if it's the next day and it's maybe Tide de Burke is out a bit further than Watford would like it's okay de Burke is coming out to the 65 we need to get ball in over the top and it's just simple little messages like that they seem to be very very effective at doing it and uh, Limerick seemed to take the messages on board really really quickly and put them into action very very quickly like the start of the second half even I know against, uh, against Clare it was you know, four points within you know I think it was ninety seconds nearly. So whatever it is about them, they're obviously very well coached and um, but they're able to take the message and implement it implement it really, really quickly, which is, you know, hugely impressive. And I think from a the point of view, they is just trying to not limit the damage after the after the water break. But just try to make sure that they're not hit with, you know, a couple of sucker punches straight away after the first and second water breaks. Because we see they're huge now; they're massive. Like it's something that, like, imagine, say, a year, a year ago, that we'd be talking about water breaks. Like it's, it's amazing how t- how things change. But they're huge now. Yeah. They're they're mini halves. I know as as a player, you are literally thinking, okay, we get to the first quarter, we get to the end of the first quarter, then things change. Then maybe like Galway had different tactical formations, the no more than Limerick did. For different quarters, the other day you can do that now. You're splitting the game into four quarters, but uh, they are going to be huge, and Waterford are going to have to make sure that they're not hit with you know that they're not losing a, a, a quarter after a water break by three or four points. If they do, they're going to be in trouble.
0: Mm. And on a slightly sentimental note, Vincent and Limerick fans might resent the question, given that they're hardly even steeped with in your know, success that they won it obviously two years ago. But like, what would it mean for Waterford, you know, to finally bring Lee McCarthy uh, back back? back down there you know I think 1959 is the last time they've won it that's a long
2: long time ago you know what what would it mean for the county? Well I would suggest Tony O'Hulahan puts his hands over his eyes if they do because I can only imagine the social distancing down in Dungarvan and places like that. Look we remember in 2008 when they unexpectedly under Davy Fitz got to the all Ireland final against Kilkenny and they ended up having two press nights one in Dungarvan one in in Walsh Park because there was the political side of keeping everybody happy and it was very very hard to keep the hype at bay then and it was the same thing 2017 under Derek McGrath they are just so hungry for it it's 1959 since they won it and you know when you have that length of time it's a bit like Mayo in the football there's a desperation for it to happen but the funny thing about this one Will is that because of the unique circumstances we're in that there are no crowds going to the games, that there is no question of people going into press nights and that. And, and it's actually dampened down a lot of the hype. I also think it helps that Liam Cahill and Mikey Bevans aren't from the county. I think there's a calmness in Waterford this time. There is a sense that this is just business. We still have to wait and see how they are on Sunday. You know, it's all very well to talk the talk, but you go out in this big game, but you would have to say... That Cahill and Beavons, their track record in getting the team right for all finals, albeit age finals, is top class. So I think, look, the celebrations would go on well into next year if Waterford could pull this off. But right now, I think the circumstances and the unique circumstances we're in will suit them perfectly.
1: Just on that, Will, uh, it was interesting a couple of weeks ago the sports psychologist Kate Kirby put a tweet and I thought it was really interesting and it totally is in line with what Vinny is saying there. She just said, I'm increasingly believing that COVID might be playing into the hands of counties with less experience of big occasions. Lack of crowds, muted build-up with pubs closed and players working from home, so inter- interacting less with the community. Hype and tension less and focus increased, question mark. And I genuinely think that that's true. Like, Like... You're not getting it's very easy to fall into the the back slaps and oh you're a great lad and all this a great win and how will we go the next day and you know, it's hard to avoid that, particularly in a county like Waterford. So I definitely think it's suiting them. No more than I think it helped Cavan in the Ulster final and Tipperary in the Munster Final. And as well as that, the day of a match, like if you get hit with a goal, um, there's not like that pressure on you straight away. There's not the noises and cranking up and, you know, Jack Fagan hits a wide early in the first half and it's not like, ooh, you know, that kind of you know a horrible feeling where you're like, oh, Jesus, the world is caving in around me. And I think a uh, team's ability to react uh, far more positively to a setback has been seen loads of times throughout the way with ga- how games are now. And as Milan said it before, I do think uh, the, the panels and the backroom team the noise that they make does have a big, have a big effect and some of the you know, the noisiest teams or backroom teams I would say Limerick are definitely one of them. When Grodd he- Hegarty hits a ball and it's, you know it's going over the bar after five yards because they're literally roaring. So the the uh, influx of another you know, 10 or 15 bodies into the arena for the All-Ireland final will be interesting. But I definitely think it does help the underdog, help teams that maybe aren't as used to reacting to the pressure, just to, with the way things are set up now.
0: Yeah, and so as you mentioned, Limerick and Waterford have probably been two of the loudest teams on the sidelines during these games, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the final. Guys, you might finish up with predictions. Michael, I'll go to you first. Limerick-Waterford final, who do you think will come out on top?
1: Yeah, no, I tipped Limerick at the start and I'll, I'll stay with them. I, I genuinely think they're going to win, but I think they'll win hanging on. I think they'll win, win hanging on. Um, I think Waterford will throw everything at them. And I think it, I think it has the potential to be uh, a really high scoring final. And I think it has the potential to be an absolutely thrilling final as well. And if Waterford hit the net a couple of times, it's going to be so interesting. I do hit, expect them to hit the net at least once. Uh, I think Limerick will win just hanging on by probably probably two to three points. Vincent?
2: Yeah, look, I think we all tipped Limerick at the start because we know what they, the likes of John Kiley and Paul Knerk must have been feeling watching tip win the All-Ireland last year having been beaten by Limerick by 12 points in the Munster final. They just have a calmness about them. They have an impact off the bench. The funny thing is Waterford are getting an impact off the bench too. I just think there is a kind of been there, done that feeling to this Limerick team. I think Lo- Waterford will throw the kitchen sink at them. And what's interesting about this is we saw how Limerick went after in a Murphy's puckouts in the semi-final. I, th- I think Galway won only eight out of fifteen of their own long puckouts. Kilkenny had the same problem against Waterford in the second half, particularly when they scored when Waterford scored an astonishing 216 from play. They went after Owen Murphy's puckouts. So there's a self-sufficiency in both teams. I agree with Michael, it's making for a classic. They're the two informed teams, but you just have to give Limerick the edge in terms of their big game experience.
0: Yeah, it's set up to be an absolute cracker. Who knows, we might be looking back at one of the all-time great Ireland hurling finals in a a week's time. But for the moment, Vincent, Michael, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, Loretta. Well. Cheers, Jensen. That's all we have time for this week on The Thrawling in association with Board gosh Energy. We'll be back next Monday with a podcast reviewing the All-Ireland Hurling Final. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next Monday, thanks
2: for listening and goodbye. Board gosh Energy, proud sponsor of the GAA All-Ireland Under-20 and Senior Hurling Championships. Hashtag hurling to the core.